Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Something Random for the second episode this week. Just going to finish up our topic of television here, whereas last episode we focused a little bit more on the history of television, uh, kind of where that first TV got its start and how it's progressed up to current day. And this episode, we are going to look more at the present and the future, uh, and mostly in terms of uh, the change from cable to streaming services. What's that? What are you talking about? Whatever the hell I want, baby. In a world full of random occurrences, one man takes it upon himself to choose one and talk about it for 15 to 30 minutes. Welcome to Something Random. All right, so jumping right into it here, uh, we left off kind of at the current day of television. Uh, We are in a world with flat screen TVs, uh, some 3D televisions, but mostly people are not really hooking them up to cable anymore. They are more and more being used for these streaming services, whether it be something like uh, a Roku that has access to all of your platforms or using uh, an Xbox or a PlayStation to accomplish the same goal. You even got the Google and Amazon TV sticks that you can just plug into the TV and they'll get that streaming content. You got a plethora of options nowadays and it is kind of a a good thing and a bad thing in some ways when it comes to the multitude of streaming services that you have out there. So I, I guess we can look at what has been the model for, you know, basically the entire, uh, life of modern television up until this streaming revolution where it's been you go to your cable company normally you have one provider in your area Uh, you're lucky if you have multiple Uh, the introduction of satellite tv really did help that Um, but still only a few options and you are stuck for the most part with the rate that you are forced to pay so i i take a look at that model as definitely antiquated uh, at, at this point where you're paying for things that you don't necessarily want uh, that things are bundled up in packages that you know it may be cheaper but you're still paying cheaper than just buying something standalone but you're still paying for all these channels you don't want to watch so there was actually a funny South Park episode about it on, you know, the cable TV service and, uh, you know, murder crime shows on, on television. Uh, definitely recommend checking that out. Anyway, um, that has changed recently with a lot of these cable companies actually uh, in light of this crazy surge in streaming they have actually created their own streaming services uh, as well but before we get into that progression I, I think it's useful to take a look back at the you know start of the online streaming movement uh, and and I guess one great 
company to use as a barometer would be Netflix, which is widely considered the head of the streaming market right now. Um, a lot of original content flowing in, but that was not always the case. Uh, and, and when I was looking this up, it was actually surprising to me that Netflix actually started up in 1997. Uh, that is quite a bit earlier than I thought was the case. I thought they were more early 2000s uh, when they started off as a business. But it does seem like they started off late 1990s, right around the dot-com bubble. And there were hopes right from the beginning to kind of create this online streaming service, but it was a pipe dream for quite some time. And instead, the earliest version of Netflix was similar to what the earliest version of Amazon was, uh, which was a book delivery service. Uh, Netflix was a DVD delivery service. So you wouldn't have that on-demand streaming uh, ability via Netflix. In the earlier days, you would have to order a DVD online and then wait for it to get shipped to you. There were talks uh, in the earlier days of Netflix with Blockbuster between the two companies that uh, Blockbuster actually was trying to buy them out and have them be rebranded as Blockbuster Online, where they would take control of the online aspects of the operation uh, as they had been doing, which is the DVD on-demand delivery, and Blockbuster would maintain the physical DVD sales. So um, in terms of that deal, it never ended up happening, and uh, I'm sure the heads at Netflix are extremely happy that that is the case because uh, I, I think it was only going to be sold for $50 million, uh, if I'm not mistaken there. And in terms of what happened after that, I mean, we all know the story with Blockbuster. Uh, they were you know, the, the big player in the movie space, renting movies, and then Slowly but surely, uh, things moved online. And there was actually a period in between um, Netflix doing this DVD delivery uh, online and the time when they were streaming when they were actually going to develop this thing called like a Netflix box. And that would be similar to like a, a PlayStation or Xbox where it would download a movie, uh, you know, but it would happen overnight because back then bandwidth was far less. Uh, and then it would end up being available the next day for you to watch. So not quite on-demand streaming, but something uh, moving in the right direction. So in terms of why that didn't end up happening that they had actually planned out the whole uh, project there had it all designed acquired movie rights and it ends up being that the success of youtube was 
unbelievable, and people didn't really care about the lack of high-definition content at that time. They really were just wowed by the fact that it was on demand. So that allowed Netflix to kind of reverse course there and uh, work on a streaming concept instead that was completed in 2007. So I think we all know, uh, you know, the rest of the story there. Uh, Streaming really takes off. Uh, I I remember, you know, I I was in college like six years after that. Uh, My freshman year was like fall 2013. And that really was a pretty massive year for uh, Netflix, at, at least in my personal life. Um, I had used it at home with you know my family and friends, but uh, at, at least for me being in college, wanting to procrastinate, uh, it, it was a good thing to have there. And I, the phrase, obviously, Netflix and chill uh, started taking off uh, around that time. And that alone um, was basically free advertising for Netflix there. That was a popular saying uh, among the youth at that time. But looking forward to now and even the future, uh, where streaming really has grown to quite a drastic level, um, not only Netflix anymore, you have you know, Amazon Prime Video, you got Apple TV Plus, which just got going, you got Disney Plus, which just got going. And like I was mentioning at the top of the show, you have these cable network providers that additionally have their own uh, streaming services where they're breaking off the, these shows from their core bundle offerings on the cable network and making them on demand in a similar manner to something like a Netflix and also streaming live television through these apps. So that is a somewhat interesting uh, aspect to it as well, where it's not only these pre-recorded things uh, like you have ESPN plus, uh, which you can watch live Sports through Hulu has live sports. Uh, you'll see plenty of commercials telling you that. Um, it, you also got uh, things like CBS, uh, NBC. They all have their respective apps, and you can watch live TV there. But for most of these, you're going to have to get your own separate uh, accounts and subscription to. So. Sure, you are getting to choose on a more granular level, I guess, what content you want to be paying for, but it is going to add up over time. Uh, if you, let's say, have a pretty wide interest and you want to subscribe to multiple services, I don't know if it would necessarily come out to more than um a traditional cable bill, but overall, uh, it's definitely going to add up uh, to, to some extent. Once you throw in the fact that you have to have an internet uh, subscription to access any of this stuff. So it, it's kind of pros and cons. Uh, like back in the day when Netflix first started, 
because there weren't all of these other streaming services. The content it had was awesome uh, in terms of things that had aired on TV in in the past, movies and, and things like that. And over time, more and more content started getting pruned from the service, which did lead to the rise of Netflix original content. Um, one interesting thing with that, and it did happen recently, is the whole putting movies onto Netflix uh, and trying to get awards won from them. And the example I'm going to bring up is The Irishman, uh, which was a fantastic movie. Uh, you know, a little bit on the long side there, certainly can see the benefit of watching that in a streaming setting versus a theater where you can, you know, pause it or watch it in segments uh, versus you know, waiting to go to the bathroom for three hours uh, in your seat there. But the one thing that was interesting to me is it was a very good film, and I do think it probably should have won a, a few more awards at the uh, the Oscars that just happened recently. And I'm curious if the reason it didn't... Uh, and this is, you know, just a theory here. If the reason it didn't was because they tried to circumvent that traditional route of, you know, being a, a movie in theaters for several weeks and then waiting the, you know, traditional period to then be accessible online. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if the Academy had some bad blood towards Netflix on that, but I, I personally thought it was fantastic and, and the acting was phenomenal and maybe didn't get the level uh, of, of respect that it uh, deserved. But anyway, um, the forward-looking statement here is probably that we are going to see a continued increase in different streaming services. I'm not sure if cable will ever fully die off. Uh, I personally have both right now. I do have cable and streaming services. I, I do like just being able to, uh, you know, turn on the TV after a day of work and be able to just kind of flick through the channels and just have something there. Uh, I, I do know that a lot of these streaming services now do give you suggested random things, but for me, there is just something about watching it on uh, on, on network television. But uh, that is certainly not the case for everyone. In terms of where we're going to end this podcast today, I'll probably end it with just a few uh, show suggestions of mine uh, that that I've really liked in the past. Uh, I, I guess I'll begin with this show Fringe that was on Fox several years ago. Um, in, in terms of that show, it was similar to like an X-Files type deal. Uh, you had some special agents working for the government that were investigating these, uh, not, not necessarily paranormal, but surreal uh, experiences and scientific 
you know, mishaps that were happening all around the world. Turns out uh, there's a, a whole lot of stuff that we don't know. I, I, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but would definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, pretty solid acting in that, as well as just plot development. The first four seasons were fantastic. Season five definitely left a little bit to be desired there. Uh, I guess the next one would be Breaking Bad. That one is outstanding. Uh, I really can't recommend that enough. That uh, just the character of Walter White and his uh, his progression from uh, the guy we see in season one to who he ends up being by the end of season five. Uh, it really just keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, twists at every turn, and it it really uh, has you asking yourself, how can I be rooting for for this guy uh, after some of the things that occur in that show? But you still find yourself uh, somewhat hoping he he pulls it out uh, at the end there. Next, I mean, no show review is going to be complete without talking about Game of Thrones. So this one I had an interesting experience with. I had not watched any of it through the first seven seasons. And, uh, you know, season eight was coming out, like, I think a year or so after the end of season seven. So I had some time to get going there and start watching it. I did end up, however, just really binge watching it uh, that there was a period kind of right before season eight came out when I just decided I'm going to do it uh, and, and set the time aside and make this happen. Um, and I ended up watching seasons one through seven, uh, like in the month of February, I, I think in a period of two weeks, I would just come home from work and just power through like four to five hours a night of the show, uh, and yeah, you can call me crazy, say it's unhealthy, this, that, the other thing. It was amazing. Um, just being so involved uh, with the characters on a nightly basis and actually remembering who everybody is. Uh, w- one thing that my father had told me, he was watching all of them live. He was telling me that uh, there were just so many characters in the show that you know a year would go by in between seasons or two years, and he would just forget who everybody is and have to you know watch recaps and everything. It was very awesome to just be able to power through it all in two weeks. Uh, it did end up leaving me uh, with very high expectations though for season eight, uh, just because I saw everything just come together in such a beautiful way in seasons one through seven. You could argue that seven, uh, it, certainly towards the tail end there, was a little bit less than amazing, but you know it, it still was satisfying uh, the, the Game of Thrones need that I had at the time. And then season eight came around, and sure, you had some pretty awesome sequences there, uh, you know, for those who haven't watched at this point, I'd say it's something probably just to do. I think it was such a massive cultural 
experience, uh, you know, that and Breaking Bad, even you could just go back and watch them to kind of see what it was all about. Uh, but, but season eight of Game of Thrones really kind of ruined the whole thing for me. Um, I, I went into it, I, I guess, with too high of expectations, and it really fell incredibly short of them. But it is what it is. Um, I, I, I'm happy, you know, I watched it and would, like I said, definitely recommend uh, those who haven't to at least try and get through it there. Uh, I guess to finish off here with something animated, uh, and I, I was talking about it at the beginning of uh, part one of, of this two-part episode here, um, BoJack Horseman. That is an absolutely incredible show uh, that just unfortunately came to an end there. Um, it really is a show that, in a similar way uh, to, to Breaking Bad, you are kind of supporting this main character who has many flaws and it leaves you kind of saying to yourself, how can I be, you know, rooting for this guy and this guy being Bojack. So that one, I, I watched that in 2017, the, the first three seasons of it, and then been keeping up to date as they've been coming out uh, since then. But when I was watching those early seasons and again, like the, the binge watching format uh, really just intensifies the experience of, of watching a TV show. Uh, I, it, it definitely was a depressing show to watch, uh, you know, some of those early episodes there and, and even all throughout, it, it really just is such a emotionally deep show, which may seem ridiculous to hear uh, given that it is about a guy who is half horse and half man um, but it is far more than just a, a crazy animated show it definitely has uh, some really good messages in there and I, I would highly recommend watching that but that's it for this week Thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of Something Random and looking forward to talking again soon. Have a good one.